Today, the engineers talk macroeconomics. See the show notes for links to the information discussed in the episode. Let's look at these macro indicators, this folder that I have. That's, or do you guys want to go down this rabbit hole? That's kind of interesting. Sure, I'll go. So I got a little, oh, uh, shit. little macro. Uh, My computer could not load that many tabs right now. <laughs> so I guess to pre to like the preface to all this is I've been reading a, a book called the Tao of capital by Mark Spitznagel. Okay. And he's the guy that there was like a news article in like March or maybe a couple months after like April, May, June of 2020 saying like his hedge fund had returned like, I don't know, 2000% or something in like a, sh a few short months. And he, he does um, a tail hedging strategy for like large hedge funds, institutions, stuff like that. And he's basically looking to make a lot of money when the market crashes is the premise of it. But he's like, he, so he's, and he's real, like he's real academic in it. The way he like, presents things he you know wrote a whole book i think he's written two books dow capital was his first one and uh he talks a lot about austrian economics and so i've been kind of reading about that and stuff so i've added a few different uh indicators that he was talking about um to the to my overall macro uh list here um so what these are changes in net worth. Uh, let's let's move on beyond this one. So basically, there was some in in this. Uh, this is from the the Federal Reserve. Like they, you know, they keep a shit ton of data. And some of the things like I, I took away from this. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. So we got a shit ton of debt. Yeah, nothing new there. But this this isn't like, yeah, federal's in the purple. But even then, you know, household debt, seventeen point six trillion, eighteen trillion business, state and local governments, three trillion. So some of the like the the broad sweeps without having to look at all the graphs because I'm not sure exactly where they are, but. Uh, I got from like so the so the US you guys know this the the trade deficit like you know what we the US consumes yeah. more than yeah. we produce yeah. and it has doubled the trade deficit I think it's just like say it went from like 40 billion to 80 billion or something has the the deficit has doubled since November 2019 I don't know if that means like a lot since a lot of like covid masks and you know, this whole sh supply chain problem. 
but uh, that doesn't seem like it's going in the the direction we want, I guess. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that's just like that's just a bunch of data that the Fed uh, puts out. Have you guys seen this graph, the unemployment graph? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, because it just fucking skyrocketed and when then nobody back could work. Down. Yeah, and now yeah, we're back down. Wages are rising, yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, we're about uh, we're about at February 2019 levels. So, um, but with so with the caveat, here, a lot of people have dropped out of the labor market too, or early retired. Right. Right. Oh yeah, this is the trade deficit. That what I was talking about. How far back? Yeah, so we does this go? Or does it? Doesn't seem like it goes back very far. I'd I'd like to know what it was before like NAFTA. Hmm. You could probably find that somewhere. Like nineteen eighty nine. NAFTA was pre nineties. NAFTA wasn't it? NAFTA was Clinton, so it would have been around yeah, 92, 93, 94. Yeah, but like that's an awful chart. Uh, it is, but it. Is. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I, I think it's actually okay. Why isn't it just like? Because it's showing like line graph. I understand what it's showing, but like. It's kind of confusing. Like, why isn't it just like time versus deficit and like more negative values? Like this? Like a simple, yeah, like that. Because you can get or the, you can get a feel for, you know, how the gravity of it. But if there's ever a trade surplus, or if one year we just bought a shit ton of stuff, like Corbin was saying, like if we just yeah. piled on masks and really kept producing the same amount of shit or something like that. Yeah. But you could do like yeah. a side by side here or something, you know, added. But yeah, I, I like the other graph. Yeah, I I don't really know what this, uh, you know, is the is a trade deficit inherently a good or bad thing? Well, like it just depends what economist you're talking to on what day, you know? Yeah. Like I think it I think it really only matters is when you run into supply problems, probably. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like when you're at your house and you, you know, it's it's February 2020 and you are like you're you're it's the it's the people that like have been stocked and it's the people that have like nothing in their pantry. Yeah. You know, and you just like you can survive those next few months if you're stocked and if not, you have to go out in the market and probably pay more and, and get it from somewhere else. This is just on a countrywide scale. And it's all probably different per dif- whatever industry you're in. Yeah. This is where you get into like, oh, we're an information economy now, not a manufacturing economy. But like, you know, I think information is less sticky than manufacturing. But even then, I don't even know if even manufacturing is that sticky anymore. You know, you you would think capital equipment would be pretty sticky, but you, you can move that shit around just as much as you can find cheap labor. Yeah. So I think if you know china ever gets too rich and doesn't have any any more working poor you know you'll see a lot more southeast asia you know vietnam which we're already starting to see more mm-hmm. more cheap products come out of that area but like 
you know, semiconductors, semi harder things to make, you know, China's done a good job of building up a supply chain to support that and a knowledge base to support that too. So like, will you see that move to Vietnam? I don't know. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next. We'll get to interesting. I got, I don't know why I had the national weather service <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, so then this is, have you guys seen this, the fear and greed index? Yeah. This thing like fluctuates all over. Yeah. <clears throat> is that the market in general? Yeah. Yeah. There's it's a just kind of like fear and greed index too. Yeah. Yeah. The Bitcoin one's different. I don't, I don't have that on here. But like yeah. it, it talks about like put and call options. It's extreme greed. Like more call, more call options have been traded sixty percent as opposed to puts. Uh, breadth, not sure what that is. Junk bond demand is greed as well. The VIX, the VIX, it's been been above what was it twenty two twenty three. Yeah, like mid twenties is usually the kicker. And I think when it was like, you know, when the when the market was kinda like when people weren't watching it all the time, it was like, I don't know, it was like ten, twelve. I think that's kind of a that's when it's the the non boring or is boring. Yeah, yeah. Lower's was better. Pre pre meme stock and all that. <laughs> I think I actually have I have the VIX as one of the tabs. Yeah, so I think about like 13, 12, 10. It's got it down to 10, 9 in September 2017. <laughs> but basically, when stocks go down, this spikes. So like, you know, March 2020 is at 53. Yeah. yeah. And then the Schiller PE ratio, which this is like just talking about dividend thing too. Yeah, this is um basically is the market like expensive um, or cheap. So, you know, the tech bubble was a big one. Mm -hmm. It's just when when things are priced like the price to sales is really high. Not not like on price to earnings, but the sales. So it makes sense that you know, it's pretty high t uh, today. I think it's, and it's gone down a little bit because NASDAQ stuff's been getting punched. So, so that Mark Spitznagel guy in his book, he, what he, he uh, does is during times like this, you know, when things are really expensive, he's just kind of sitting back and he's got, he buys all these, he does probably more complicated things, but the bottom line is he he buys put options, like far out of the money put options, and then expecting the market to correct, well, or drop violently. And then you get that crazy asymmetric payoff when your 30% out of the money put goes in the money. Right. Or starts approaching it, you know. And it's, like, it's one of those that – go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, well, it's one of those that it ha it, it happens more than like a normal distribution. He, he call it like a fat tail, you know, 
because I think if you if you were to look back like 20, 30 years, you know, stock market corrections of like 10 percent, 25 percent, 35 percent or whatever, they're more even even though they may happen on like a five or 10 year scale, you know, it is something that may happen. And, you know, most people can, you know, the 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 logical thing is you just hold whatever stocks through that period. And in theory, the market will, you know, it'll get above the point where you bought it at that previous point and move on. But sometimes it can take, you know, 10 years for that to happen, like in the um, 2000s. So I don't know, it's just like, should should one invest in something like this? Because he also makes um, the case that if you put like, say, uh, half of 1% into a strategy like this, and then you can um, invest all the rest of your money in the S&P 500. So it adds a little bit of uh, convexity to your um, portfolio when the stock market drops. So, you know, your 90, 99.5% of your portfolio goes down during that crazy market drop. This thing shoots up in value when all those puts become in the money. And then you just take you take that cash and you just reinvest it into the S and P five hundred, and then you, you keep you keep moving forward. So, uh, so I was looking at I was pulling up the SPX option chart while you were talking, and since you said half of one percent, I went to that. Well, I went to half of a percent, which is half of one percent, and so there's actually like a fair bit of uh, open interest at um 100 the strike of 100 in 120 days so four months out and the last trade was at uh 35 cents so 350 a contract so like you actually could probably support this to your point yeah he, it, the way that, i thought i thought it was going to be a lot more expensive is what i was getting at oh i thought it was yeah. gonna be much more expensive to like put this on but if you're if you're at like half or even like just one percent with some decent uh volume like to to go up to a 200 dollar or a 200 point strike oh yeah it is like a, a multi a factor of 10 greater so that's 325 mm -hmm. so that'd be 350 bucks for a contract right and and the strategy he well he talks about in his book is so he buys he says you buy a 30% out of the money put two months out. Okay. And then on. you and then you roll that every month. Right. Yeah, so it's like the same thing I'm trying to do, but like asymmetrically. So 60 days out, 30%. So that'd be uh Yeah, I got a little calculator. Yeah, so here's here's my rough. Uh, I was looking I mean, at this it's a, today. It's a little more expensive at thirty percent. This is what I was looking at today. I, I did. Uh, I was looking at the the Nasdaq QQQ SPY, and then the Russell two thousand, which are like smaller companies. The I, right. IWM. Right. So. Um. 
50, 58 days out to expiration. I was just trying to get within 30%. It can, it can vary 28, 30, 32. Right. And then the, the volumes out. what I was looking at for the, for what I was four sixteen spending, um, to do this. And I mean, you know, the potential, the gains are pretty intense, but it's like a low probability event. Right. So are you willing to, uh, you basically have $450 of risk of 416 for $65,000 in profit. But like, when would you cash out? What's your strategy? Like a 50% exit. So really you're looking for like $33,000 exit. Yeah. Cause you don't, yeah, you cause... don't know when the pull up is. Yeah. You're, you're going to roll it. Cause one, you, uh, when you roll it, that's when your profit may be taken. If if the market has dropped an incredible amount in the past month, and you're but you always want to keep the hedge on as well, right? Right. Or if you know, you know, you could be discretionary about it. And if you only had this on because you thought the market was expensive, and then you know, like say like a 2008 situation happened where right. like everything got upended in some form or fashion. And then you can just kind of think like, yeah, you're at now you'll never know this in the moment that you're at the bottom, but you, when there's been like some crazy amount of change, maybe then you're, you have less of a hedge on and then you invest more into the companies that you already own or the S and P 500 or whatever. Right. So this, I mean, I'm not against this. It's insurance. It's portfolio insurance is what it is. No. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty cheap. So, like, when would you, are you planning to implement this strategy? I'm going to try it out. I've I've actually done this in the past, and I stopped doing it because I kind of couldn't get it. I think I was buying the options too expensive, and I just couldn't get over the, the, the cost for it, you know. But this is a little bit cheaper way to do it. Yeah, so I would... I would be pro like, cause right now, right? Like I bought, like if we would have put this on at the same time I put on my income strategy, we'd be up probably a couple bucks right now. Right. Cause we would have gone on at 4,800 and the market's at 4,500 right now. So like you would have had some profitability by now. Right. And we don't know what the future is going to hold the next month. But it like sets you up. I don't know. I'm on board. Yeah, it's it's something I'm I'm just like researching now. And when would you um, roll it? Like halfway to expiration, or do you just let it go to zero? No, um, one month in. So say if like okay. today. So today's right. January. So if I bought the March, I would I would roll in February, February eighteenth. I'm, yeah, this I'm this is board. sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, it could allow you to. Uh, well, at least for me, I mean, if, you know, if you guys are getting, you know, paychecks, so that's <laughs> you have less yeah, to worry of. about, obviously. Uh, so me, it's like if you know things just drop like fifty percent, that would be not the greatest. <laughs> so this would be right. nice. This would be like a nice thing to have in the back pocket, just to like you know, have some, some, something that 
is uh, reacting opposite of your the rest of your portfolio. <laughs> and then, you know, you can take this to its like tinfoil hat and say, I think, I think one of the, one of the uh, criticisms of this strategy is if something crazy were to happen, will there be the liquidity, liquidity to actually now for, I think our purposes, yes, but it's like, it's when they do it in scale. If a bunch of like, if everybody is doing some type of tail hedging strategy, what kind of liquidity would you be, would there be to get out of it and actually get the profits? So we can't tell people to right. do this. This is our secret. <laughs> yeah, this is our secret. It's just us. Us three guys against the market. <laughs> on a beach in Thailand. Yeah. No, I'm Anyways. on board with it. Maybe start. Well, it'd be nice if things kind of pull up a little here and then you could start next month. Dude, I'd give it like three months. I think Omicron's going to burn through real quickly. Maybe six months. Omicron's going to burn through. We'll get some seasonal action going on with COVID too. People start feeling good again. It'll be summertime. I think some of this inflation shit's going to smooth itself out a little bit. I think the market mid-year will uh, will be looking all frothy again. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's a good that's a good segue back into the the remainder. So, yeah, Schiller PE high, meaning market is expensive. Is basically what that's saying. Um, let's go to one that. Uh, okay, so this is this is one of the indicators that that Mark Spicknagel does on um, figuring out whether the the market's overvalued, undervalued, and so he has it or he, I don't know if he didn't come up with this, but somebody did. Mises, he's a, a, a Austrian economist. Um, this takes the market cap of corporate equity divided by the corporate net worth. So think of it as like, it's like what the market is trading the net worth of the market. So if it's one, that means the, the, the market cap is um, trading at the replacement value of its assets. So like, a, you know, if just the net worth of a company assets, my liabilities divided by shares outstanding um so if the market if so if it's at a one that means it's basically selling at fair value because you could buy the assets of the company a one for one right and if it's under that that means it's kind of undervalued because um you can actually buy the assets cheaper um than you could you would um normally buy them and then if it's above one that means the market is priced to where you couldn't buy replacement capital for the same price. You pay like two to one, basically. You know, you're buying Facebook for twice what you could actually buy its underlying assets for. Right. Let's see. I think they. So basically, it's ran, is similar. It's it's ran away. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. U.S. corporate equity over U.S. corporate net worth. Yeah, so it's just another, you know, it's another frothy uh, indicator. Tobin's Q is similar. I think it's 
I'm not sure what the difference is. I'm pretty sure it's like the same thing. I was just trying to find a. This is like, this is probably like our 15 year old crypto guy. He made this chart by skimming the internet. This is from an actual website. <laughs> so, this leads to, and then so his Mark's argument for why things like this happen, why things get overvalued is then here comes the fed fed gets in, in involved here and so now we start talking about the money supply so i had to look up the the different money supply things today there's like m0 m1 yeah they m2. always talk about m2 yeah so these are the charts for it now just i had to summarize it because I, I had to look all over the place for these different things but so the M M zero is like the liquid money. Those are like notes, coins, you know, cash, cash in your wallet, things that can be converted to cash. Usually I, I think it's mostly all liquid stuff. Right. M one M one money is money that's in savings deposits at banks, checking accounts, T bills. And then M two has money market accounts as well and then each one has like so m1 also includes m0 m2 has m0 and m1 included and so these charts here from what i was gathering uh, let's go max so th this chart m0 oh well now it changed well I, I changed it to look at a larger time frame so now we're looking you know before so the basically, 60s there's more money at the street level than ever before Right. Since like 2008, that's when like Bernanke uh, did like QE and all that, you know, right? QE infinity or whatever they say. Uh, it just took off like crazy. And so, so yeah, we were growing like, I was trying to like rough, rough in some numbers and be conservative, you know, say, say from 2000 to 2008, we were growing like 13% in there. I just add roughly, I, I right. was measuring that. Uh, and then from 2008 to 2020, because oh, I think I could do smaller. This is how I was doing that. I went to a, a different graph. So 20, 2008 to 2020, it grew 17% annualized. And then from 2020 to 2022, 50% annualized. Like we had a crazy spike when COVID hit. Right. That's all stimulus. Yeah, stimulus. So like this was like the first time we started really – playing around with this and then well we've already done this and then boop really crazy okay so that's the m0 so that's just like money yeah money on the street so this is the m1 money supply this one's crazy this is like just straight up in 2020 because that's people saving money not driving to work buying lunch getting their covid checks etc right Yep. So I think that was over 100% annualized change. I think it's actually closer to 200%. And then M2. Oh, I was already there. So I think it's just a combination of the M0, M1. So, yeah, so uh, Spitznagel, he, he's talking about, you know, Fed injects money. And then that can distort distort asset prices like the stock market. 
and so it's like you know it's a complex adaptive system what you know we we have no clue what's gonna what's gonna happen you know right and basically you just what you do you just buy those puts and you just wait for the the crazy shit to happen because it just you know I, I feel like so this is just me just maybe my tinfoil hats on <laughs> i feel like we are i feel like we are uh i feel like that information moves extremely quickly and so if something were to happen things will just drop precipitously i i feel i feel like there's a greater chance that that there will be like another 2020 crash actually i don't know i'm kind of 50 50 i think it could go <laughs> i think it could go, i think it could go like a 30 percent drop like in a month or two and then i also think it could be like a super long burn where like it takes like multiple years for us to drop like 30 or 50 percent you know and it's just like you know think about it like from a a micro standpoint it's just if you're just like a, a person that's trying to start a business and you you get easy financing like you're able to get like zero percent financing to go start a business and what prevents you from starting you can start any type of business you want you know because it's like the barrier that can be yeah you may fail but you still like can it just it get, everything gets all distorted and you know people people are getting in maybe into the wrong industry or building a factory that they shouldn't like you i don't know is there going to be like some crazy like i don't know what'll happen but just something that malinvestment happened and what are all the reverberations uh i agree like with what you said and i also think that there's more bad news that hits the market more frequently than we think and so like i bet this strategy would pay off in like micro doses like if you just took your your 10 percent and rolled that you know if you had like a half a percent down day or something yeah. i know you're looking for like the the whale but like i feel like there's plenty of like half to one and a half drawdown days that would like give you like you know pretty sizable returns that day if you were just more or less like uh i don't know like swing trading is probably too short term but you're not like long term trading either but you would just be in and out of the option probably like more frequently than you think and then hopefully you'd have one on like a line set for the big correction like you're talking about like you'd always have one in front mm -hmm. so like you know yeah I don't know. We, we should we should give it a go in uh, February. Yep. Yes. I'm gonna read more more things. You know, get more tin foil hatty. <laughs> I mean, it's a good look on you. <laughs> I mean, so basically, you have you have a lot of known unknowns, right? But then there's the unknown unknowns that you don't know, it's like a global pandemic, right? You, nobody yeah. saw that coming, but like. I don't know. All the, yeah, all these indicators like, that you're watching are known, known things, but like right. unknown effects. I get not unknown effects. I don't know. But even like, like we all know something's going on with Russia and Ukraine. But like the day it goes off, like if it's midday or after the close, like there's gonna be like some 
some hesitancy that day when like we figure out what our position is oh yeah the market will shit itself if if russia goes through with right it, so like, like this would be like a good strategy to have on yeah yeah because you can you're gonna hold it you know overnight but like i mean or indefinitely or all that shit blows over you know they work out some deal ukraine doesn't join nato yeah of course russia keeps crimea and we all just pretend like we're cool with each other yeah yeah i mean i think that i think so the 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 buying put strategy is a way to you don't you don't know what's gonna happen so it's it's just you always have it on and you're always ready yeah like but another way would be like you know be like uh companies that have a shit ton of cash like if you just have a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines then when you know the madness ensues you've now got cash liquidity to right. go sweep up cheap assets you know like a buffett would try to do right um that's another way but you know you got you always got to think about opportunity costs so you, if you got all this cash sitting on the sidelines and say it takes like five years for the madness to ensue you've lost five years of potential returns on the cash and so this what the this the buying the put strategy can do is keep you fully invested in you're making money all the time which is uh you know that's that's pretty nice as opposed to sitting on cash and it just gets inflated away at whatever inflation is 7% right yeah i think i think i'm going to try experiment with it and see just think I'll of it as like insurance. Yeah, so that that Taleb, he's kind of like partnered with uh, that Mark Spitznagel guy. They they have similar similar ideologies. They love the the tail hedging and all that kind of shit. It's interesting shit, but you just gotta. It's all about opportunity cost and yeah, like most investments. <laughs> treat it treat it like uh, insurance. More or less. All right. Oh, I got the uh, the Nate Silver book. Did you from the library? Yeah. You have to tell me. I'm probably gonna have to renew it a few times before I finish it, but it's pretty big, and I got three books in front of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to. It's uh. It was a chapter by chapter book for me because, like I was saying, each chapter kind of tackled a different subject. Like some chapters were that I was interested in, you know, I'd pound through, and the other ones I'd kind of, you know, slowly. But it was easy enough. Yeah, I, I, what I need to do is I need to focus. I need to read more books, less like, you know daily little news blips yeah i'm bad about that too honestly like i I was good over like christmas when i had like a week off like i got through like half a book and now that like i'm working again like when like i really just need to read before bed instead of watching tv but i always just fucking watch tv yeah yeah because that stuff it's it's one of those like you world's gonna happen with or without you what does it really matter whether you know this or not yeah (laughs) no i don't believe that i think like the world's gonna happen but like you don't have to be like everybody else but i mean you reading that like you know 
market's in turmoil. Yeah, the I mean, I guess you can the daily uh, the daily news blip. Uh, it, I mean, if it's like an individual trade, it can help, but like your overall portfolio, probably not gonna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't monkey with that every day. Send us your comments or questions at Ape Engineers on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll catch you next time. Apes together, strong!